It's another massive week of professional wrestling, heel turns, unexpected returns, the steady beat of the rumour mill drum, and so much more, and this is your one-stop shop to talk about it all. Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast, I'm Jack Murley, professional broadcaster, joined each and every week by co-host and professional rugby player Charlie Beckett. How are you, Mr Beckett? How are things? I'm well, mate. I've got a strong coffee this morning because there's a lot to talk about and I am ready to go. I knew you lucky fella can see me this week. Last week, for some reason, my webcam wasn't working. But here I am, back in all my glory. It was very strange. You were talking to a black screen. There was nothing there to talk to. Here's the thing. It's weird because I feel like wrestling is still absolutely bonkers at the moment. But we've dialed down from like a 10 to a 9.5 this week. It feels like the first time we can sort of catch our breath. Yeah, I can't remember the last time you and I didn't sit here and say, oof, wrestling's mad, isn't it? I think... Wrestling is in a boom period at the moment, and part of that is that there is just so much going on, and it is mad. Now, there are things that the story, there's brilliant storyline stuff going on, there's brilliant stories being told in both companies, but the stuff out of the ring at the moment is carnage. And we've had a week where there hasn't been any huge confirmed news. There's rumors, but for one week, finally, in this mad time, like, AEW haven't bought WWE and sold it to WCW who are back and amalgamating with ECW. Nothing like that's happened, so we can catch our breath, as you said. I don't know, Charlie. I've just got a breaking news alert on my phone, and that's all that's all happened. So, look, uh, thank you to all the new listeners joining us each and every week. Uh, to Adam, to Adam, to Max, to Matt, who've all joined us in recent weeks. You can do the same. He's Charlie underscore Beckett on Twitter. I'm Jack underscore Murley. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening today. On the program, we will get into more of those CM Punk AEW rumors, a Trish Stratus heel turn, Jeff Hardy returning, MJF and Sting confront each other. But let's start with Monday Night Raw and WWE. Plenty of big developments, including Cody Rhodes throwing out a challenge to Brock Lesnar for WWE backlash in Puerto Rico. It looks like, Charlie, we're getting Brock against Cody uh, at the next WWE premium live event. And that is a legit dream match by anyone's standard. Yeah, absolutely. Not a match. Not one of those dream matches that I was hankering for. Not the one that I was on my conscious mind. mind. But as soon as it got pitched, obviously, last week with Brock turning, I was like, oh, yeah, that will be... An excellent, excellent match. And I think I think it's a real good chance for Cody to show, not that he hasn't shown this through wrestling through that torn peck, but his toughness and his durability. I think you have Brock dominate him for 10, 10 15 minutes, then Cody come through. So I'm really excited for this one. I think it'll be a great match. It's one of those ones. Do you remember when... Uh... Cody Rhodes pitched up on the Stone Cold podcast, the Stone Cold uh, the Broken Skull session on the network, and neither you or I saw it coming. And then when it happened, we went, oh, of course, that, that's so obvious. Why, why wouldn't they go with that interview? Feels like that. Like, why wouldn't you go with Brock against Cody? If Cody isn't winning the belt and he's got a journey back to the titles, Lesnar's the obvious monster to slay. There's also no way to keep him more relevant and close to the top of the card than putting him out with Brock, because as soon as anyone is with Brock, you become more interested in them. Uh, so it's a great way to keep him relevant, to keep a story that is interesting, exciting, and it um, it keeps it, 
it keeps Cody relevant. It gives him a monster slayer, as you say, and it's a good use of Brock. I think how you use Brock Lesnar if he's not going to be in the title feud is very interesting. And so far, I think WWE are doing a good job. It's our first heel Brock for what would you say two and a bit years, maybe maybe slightly less than that, but. He is at his best as a heel, and actually, we still don't know why Brock Lesnar attacked Cody Rhodes, but I like the fact they're working in that he wasn't happy with his position on the card, because we were saying before Mania, Brock against Omos? Okay, that's that's a bit weird for him, and the fact that we're getting that built into the story, I love. Yeah, that like, I love, everyone knows, I lo- love a little bit of realism, a bit of reality in my wrestling. Brock probably wasn't too impressed with his place on the card, so let, let's let's use that, I mean... His four and a half minute squash of Omos probably shows that. I don't know. For the money he's getting paid for a four and a half minute squash and you can be done by the time you get to the middle of the card, I'd do it. For the money Brock Lesnar's getting paid, I get into a UFC cage within four and a half minutes. <laughs> I I respect you as an athlete. I'm not sure it would take four and a half minutes. Yeah, but I'd lie there limpless for the rest of the time. It'd take him 15 <laughs> seconds and for another four minutes, 15 seconds, I'd let him just wail on me. Because he's a, if I was earning the money per minute he does, fine. Take 10 minutes if you're Brock. Just take your time. Imagine if you've come up with the, like, the way to beat Brock in the octagon. Like, you know when that guy invented the Fosbury flop in the high jump and everyone yes. started doing it that way? Maybe if you're like, the way to beat Brock is not to try. And he just exhausts himself. There's an episode of uh, The Simpsons like that, isn't there, where Homer just gets just can take yes. so much because he's got a crayon stuck in his brain. He can take so much punishment that they just get knackered. Yeah, maybe, hey. Dana White, if you are listening, I know you're a big fan. Yes. WWE and UFC amalgamated. There's some in there. There's Beckett some- versus Brock. Beckett, Brock, give me it at Money in the Bank at the O2 Arena. Um, I like this scenario with Cody, and I like that we're working Lesnar into the bloodline as well, because we're getting those questions with Heyman and Reigns about whether Heyman knew about Lesnar and, and what's going on here. And, and it's just... It's like a storyline that doesn't stop ending. It's a soap opera that goes on and on, and you can always get that Heyman-Lesnar intrigue. Yeah, there's always another layer that you don't see coming in. It's, yeah, I, I've waxed lyrical numerous times about the Bloodline story on this podcast. It's just, it, it's sensational. It's sensational. I saw a theory on Twitter that Cody's going to do his classic, if I can't beat you, I'll never challenge for the world title again. No, Cody, don't. Don't it Which didn't work in AEW. No, I think it's a real, real um shackle for storytelling, so I hope they don't go down that line. What do you make of what's going on with the Usos and, and Roman at the moment, where where Roman is avoiding their calls, is avoiding them knocking on the door, doesn't really want to be associated with his cousins anymore? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because they did lose. So he probably is a little bit ashamed and they do have to re earn their spot. Um it's not my favourite thing because I like seeing their interactions. I enjoy the Romans and Uso, the Romans, Roman and the Usos working together and interacting and that sort of stuff. But it's just a different sort of storytelling. It's a different sort of device. That'd be interesting if next time Roman needs hit them, if they do come and save him, and when they do, how he reacts to that. Yeah, I I love it. I love everything that's going on here. I think Cody against Lesnar is a dream match. I think it's going to be fantastic. We, we're two weeks out of Mania now, and the concern last time we were together is Cody didn't win. What's the trajectory? Do they trust him? Is he still the guy? I don't think you can look at the way they've booked him following Mania and, and think they've got any less confidence in him. No, not at all. Cody, Cody will be, I imagine, the main event of Backlash. I don't think Roman's going to be defending because no. no one's come out the woodwork, have they, to challenge. So you, your first premium live event, I hate that, in Puerto Rico in however long, a big foreign 
Premium live event. It's a big deal for WWE. Straight away, you're the man in the main event. Go and go and main event that. Go and have 20 minutes of Brock. Like, you don't give that to someone you're not incredibly high on still and you trust immeasurably. I had a little concern, and this is me being uh, slightly sceptical, but I had a little concern because the next, I think I'm right in saying, premium live event after Backlash is in Saudi Arabia. It was meant to be King and Queen of the Ring, but I think last night they changed it, so it's Night of Champions now. And I suddenly thought, what if Cody beats Lesnar at Backlash to earn his rematch in Saudi, and that's where they give him his moment? So I didn't, I didn't see they've changed it to Night of Champions. That'd be that's strange if they have. I, I, I like the idea of a King and Queen of the Ring uh, tournament. Uh, there must be a weird reason. Maybe they want to do it in America. I don't know. Mm. I hope they don't give him his moment in Saudi. That'd be rubbish. Yeah, I'm just checking. Premium live event WWE announced last night on the 27th of May in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, will now be Night of Champions, and it was meant to be King and Queen of the Ring. So I just suddenly, the, the wheels started turning there, that if you want to do a quick turnaround on that Cody rematch, and they always treat these Saudi shows as if they're as big as WrestleMania, giving them that WrestleMania rematch in Saudi, uh, I don't know, like, why, why change the show? Vince is back at the wheel... Vince loves Saudi. This is with no evidence at all, but I just started thinking, oh, I'm not sure. 8.38 and my Friday's ruined already. <laughs> oh, it's a good morning till then. I might be wrong. I might be wrong. This might be one of, I'm either going to look like a genius uh, when we do the show on June the whatever after Night of Champions. I, I told you so. I'm going to be completely sceptical, but I just started to think... If they want to turn around that rematch quickly and do it in Saudi, this is absolutely the route you go on. You have Cody beat Lesnar, I've beaten Brock, you beat Brock Roman, give me a rematch, let's do it in Saudi and see where we go. Yeah, I I, I hope that's not right. My, my hope is that someone else gets rolled out with Roman and the big match is a rematch between the Usos and Kevin and Sammy. But Sammy doesn't go to Saudi, does he? Sammy doesn't go to Saudi, you're completely right. You see? I stood man Saudi. Kevin Owens doesn't either, does he, I don't think? Don't think so. Don't think so. Right, well, I'll have to strip with the titles, won't they? Can't do it, I just know it. Imagine. Oh, my God, imagine. I think I think we're cat catastrophizing here. I think we're getting too worried for nothing. But I just wanted to throw it out there as a little intriguing nugget that I saw late last night. Um, I swear to God, if Vince is listening, going, oh, that's a good idea, Jack. That's good cool. stuff, Jack. Yeah. That's good, yeah. You'll, um, we'll be done as mates, me and you. I'm sorry. If, what, if you've given him the idea... If I bring the Roman Empire down with our podcast, okay, fair enough. Well, look, that's something uh, that may or may not happen. Something we know definitively did happen, and this was rumoured before WrestleMania, and now they've pulled the trigger on it. Trish Stratus has turned to the dark side once more, stepping in for an injured Lita on Monday Night Raw to help Becky Lynch defend the WWE Women's Tag Team titles. They lose the belts, and then Trish Stratus turns. No one pulls off a heel turn like Trish Stratus. No, it was brilliant. Give me that feud all summer. Like, don't don't pull the trigger on that too quickly. Give me that feud through summer uh, and have it come to a head at SummerSlam. That's what I want. That is a big marquee SummerSlam match for me. Becky versus Trish. Um, have Trish, have Becky get involved in, in the title hunt. Have Trish cost her all sorts of things. Have Becky not want to fight her. Trish is a hero, one of her heroes. Have her say, I don't want to fight you, like all that. And then 
have it just become too much and at SummerSlam that give them 20 minutes to have a really, really good match at SummerSlam. It was brilliant, wasn't it? The way it was executed, excellent. I mean, speaking of turns, Trish is probably the only person who could turn me. I, I think. Excellent. Was hoping you were going to go that way. Didn't know if you were. Didn't want to be the man who managed to. But yes, I think Trish probably could turn you, couldn't you? Because you, you are... You are a homosexual man, Jack. That that is a. F- oh, what? When, what? Yes. When you speak about Trish Stratus, I do wonder sometimes. Like you can't see Jack. Jack gets his smile when he's talking about <laughs> Trish. I'm like, oh god. Imagine. Um, I just think she's so good. Like, look at how she looks. Could you? Could anyone look at her and say she doesn't look exactly the same as when she stepped away in 2007? As a mental thing, she's 15 years later. Yeah. And doesn't look any different if anything probably looks a little bit better like oh my god what will i look like in 15 years in 2038 let's circle back and see what i look like because i guarantee you it won't be like this and i've never looked as good as trish stratus i would like you to look exactly how you're gonna look but i'd like you to be in trish attire so i want you to have like a cowboy hat and a cape <laughs> and just be pointing like that when you come come through your front door. <laughs> okay here's the one thing i don't want don't change your theme music keep the oh, theme my- music the biggest heel turn anyone could do is get rid of that laugh. Yeah. But here's the thing, right? Confidence for Trish Stratus. Trish Stratus, A, she doesn't need to come back. I'm sure she's got the money. She's got a burgeoning career outside WWE. She certainly doesn't need to come back and turn heel. And yet she's got the confidence to do that. I just respect that so much. And I can't think of the last time someone came back as a legend, which Trish is, and, and turned. I mean, they tried it with Edge and it didn't really work out. Yeah, the confidence to do it, the desire to want to do it and to try and use her legend status to get someone like Becky even more over to give them a heel to defeat it. It's it's selfless from Trish, hugely, and it must just show how much she enjoys being back and doing it. And I think you're right, it's, it's very, very hard to pull a genuinely good and authentic and well-executed heel turn with these legends because we all just get so excited to see them. We want to cheer for these legends. That's why I didn't work with Edge, like you said, because we want to cheer for Edge. Now, maybe because Trish isn't back, I think we all probably accept Trish isn't back for an unspecified amount of time like Edge. Trish is probably back for summer. This will be... And because Trish has been such a good heel in the past, not saying Edge hasn't been, I think it just... I think we're excited to see heel Trish. And what they've done well that they maybe didn't do with Edge was Edge's heel turn was convoluted. We had the Judgment Day. There was lots of blurriness around it. Trish has just been a bit of a knob. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's very easy, and they've put her against the most unanimously loved member of the female roster, mm. one of the most unanimously loved members of the roster, full stop, in Becky. It's very, very easy to get Trish booed on this one. And she executes heel turns like no one else. She just, it's her demeanor. Everything changes. I am, I am so here for a summer of Stratus. I think it's going to be brilliant. Does it show that Becky's too big for the belts? Because I was thinking this, if it wasn't Trish... Who would Becky be feuding with? Do you go back to Bianca? Do you go to Rhea? That seems too soon. Like, who is there for Becky Lynch, if not Trish? It's a really, really interesting point, mate, because there is a little bit of an issue, I think, in the women's division of there's your title feuds, and then who else do you feud with? It is a real issue, and I think they need to start building a sort of mid-card an upper mid card for the women's division because yeah, if you're not feuding with Bianca Rhea and you're not feuding with Bailey Becky Charlotte, who who is there? And it, it, it is a real issue. 
Yeah, I think whatever they've done with their intercontinental and US mid-cards, they need to apply that logic to the women's division and see if you can start elevating people. Uh, after the break, we're talking AEW, by the way. Uh, Keith Lee takes on Chris Jericho. MJF confronts Sting and Jeff Hardy returns. Uh, but as we look at WWE, a couple more bits and bobs. Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio continue their feud. Dom helps Finn Balor pick up a win over his dear old dad. Looks like we're seeing Bad Bunny incorporated into their feud in Puerto Rico, which makes perfect sense. Has Dominic Mysterio revitalized Rey Mysterio's career? Like, just genuinely, can you remember what Rey was doing before the Dominic feud? Yeah, it, it's a hell of a question, isn't it? Because think about it, since Dom's come in, they've been obviously, they were aligned, they had the tag titles together, the Usos went off them. And this feud has been six months slow burn, Rob, is Rey going to do it? And then he does, they have that excellent Mania match and they come through to this and... Is there? I saw Ray was on the. Um, excuse me, Ray, Ray was on Paul Logan's. Uh, Logan Paul Logan. Who is Paul Logan? Paul Logan's the AEW version when he jumps. <laughs> I was on Logan Paul's podcast this week. I've never yeah. checked your credentials for this wrestling show. I probably. He was on with that lovely Paul Logan. Honestly, I'm having a shock on this <laughs> He was on. I'm Paul Zeth. Um, the podcast. He said he likes the idea of a um, hair versus mask match to finish the feud and. Genuinely, would there be a better way for Ray to end his career than losing his mask to his son, who, in twelve months' time, sees the light and puts it on? Like, I it just that just seems to make sense to me. And I think you're right. I think Ray had this legendary career. Ray was going in the Hall of Fame ten years ago. Like, he didn't need this. He then floundered for a bit, went on the Indies, then came back to WWE, and then this has really given him the feud, in my opinion, to to go out on. This is some of his best work ever. I, I don't think, what I don't see is the feud after this that'll top it. No. So if I, if I, if I was Rey Mysterio, I would be, and as a sportsman, sportswoman, you, no one can tell you when to finish except you. You know. But if Rey is considering it and thinks it's the right time, I can't see a better way to finish. I would be quite fitting, wouldn't it, if it finished at SummerSlam, which was where we first ever met little Don Mysterio. Oh, that would be nice. That'd be good. I'd like that. Um, what did you call Logan Paul's podcast, by the way? Uh, I'm Paul Ziff. It's Living Paul Ziff. I'm okay. Paul Ziff. Okay. I think that's the joke. It's imp impulsive, isn't it? I think so. Impulsive instead of uh, impulsive. Yeah, but you... also, I'm Paul's live. I don't what think... What did I say? I think you said, I'm Paul's live. Did I? Yeah. I don't know what's happening today. Get another strong coffee. One more quick um... thing before the break. Here's a strange one. The brand split has been non-existent for about, I don't know, six, seven, eight months, if not a year. The brand split has been dead in the water. Everyone's popping up everyone. Then out comes proud old papa Triple H on SmackDown doing his father of WWE routine and says, don't worry about the merger. Everything's fine. In a few weeks, the draft's back. What? what? Who did they draft and where and why? And how's that going to work? Well... How often do they do a draft every three or four years and we get a bit of brand split for six months and then it makes sense to move one person over and they're like, ah, free reign, everyone go. The only thing I can think is, because they have got a big roster again, unless they're going to tell Roman and the um, Sammy and Kevin they've got to split their titles, unless they're going to do that, it won't work. Because they'll, they'll just jump across it, it won't work. And also, I don't think you need the brand split. I think it's working quite well having... One big champion who sits atop, one tag champion, champions, and two mid cards. 
champions. It works well, and you just get excited about getting to see people twice a week. So I don't think we need it. When it's done well, I think it's good, but you won't see me excited like, oh, Roman's gone to Raw, but oh, the Usos have gone to SmackDown. It's like, it doesn't, doesn't matter. You've got to have discipline. If you're going to split the brands, you actually have to keep them split. And I don't think, I love the brand split when, you know, it was 2002, 2003, 2004. It was big deals. If, if you know, Shawn Michaels ended up on SmackDown or Brock ended up on Raw, it felt huge. But now it's just like, okay. If if you must, but like, how's it? Even, who's even drafting it? Like Adam Pierce is in charge of each show. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, Adam Pierce is in charge of both. So is he just going? Oh, I'll have him on a him on a Friday and him on a Monday. Yeah, just of all the announcements I thought Triple H was going to make, that was not it. Yeah, if you if hypothetically you're doing a like a proper WWE brand split and you're actually drafting, who's your number one pick? Roman. Yeah. Yeah. And anyone who says it's not, I'm sorry, but they're wrong. I'm taking the biggest draw. He's the biggest draw. I'm taking Logan Paul. Oh God! Well, I'll take Paul Logan. <laughs> then you're in trouble. You're going to split up the Logan Paul Paul Logan tag team. Yeah, yeah. Then you're in trouble. Let's talk AEW. It took Dynamite to Wisconsin this Wednesday in a night that featured Chris Jericho take on Keith Lee in a huge match. The return of Jeff Hardy, which no one saw coming. We got an MJF Darby Allen sting confrontation and the rumor mill continues to ramp up, suggesting CM Punk is hoping he'll be able to return to wrestling with uh, the massive Wembley show on the horizon. It's news that gets more and more significant each passing week. We will dig into CM Punk in a tick because, you know, I love me some punk chat, but... It's still Jeff Hardy. Have to be honest, sort of forgot he was on the roster. Very surprised to see him back. Not sure how I felt about seeing him back. What about you? Agreed on all fronts. I'd probably thought that we might not see him back again. Um, it's really tough, isn't it? Because we all love Jeff, the performer, Jeff, the wrestler. I don't know any wrestling fan who doesn't love Jeff Hardy. Still to this day, when you talk about wrestling and people of my age, they talk about Jeff and things he did in WWE. He's he's a cult figure that everyone loves. The, the, the issue is Jeff, the person who clearly has his demons, clearly has his battles, clearly has his issues, and you just want him to get help for them. And you just want him to be healthy and most importantly be safe for himself and other people. And might. My concern is that it's tough without knowing the situation in and out, but the number of times Jeff has been arrested on a driving under the influence or an issue with drink and drugs and these sort of things where if you do that to yourself, that's one thing, but the moment you get behind the wheel of a car, you're putting other people in danger. It's not just you anymore. And we've had multiple times of this where it happens to Jeff and then he comes back into wrestling, which seems to be a catalyst for these bad things to happen again. And... Would it surprise any of us if six months down the line we're seeing a similar story about Jeff Hardy again? And at what point do we stop this cycle? At what point do we say we as wrestling have responsibility to stop employing Jeff and stop putting him in scenarios where he, he has the option to do these things just because he is a draw and puts bums on seats and people enjoy seeing him and he's brilliant in the ring? At what point do we say the flip side, the risk, the danger of that isn't worth it? So... I had the initial, ah, oh, Jeff, yes, brilliant. And then I was like, ah, oh, Jeff. And I just I just want him to be safe and healthy and I want no one else to be in danger because any decisions he makes. I feel like putting him in the wrestling environment, the track record is not a good one on that front. 
I think that's a difficult thing, isn't it? Because alcoholism is, is a disease and clearly he is struggling with it. And as someone who has a little bit of experience of folks in that world, it's terrible. It's terrible because you just want folks to get better. And, and Jeff Hardy, time after time, has insisted he's better. And I, I hope he is. And I'm, I'm sure he is. But we've had that before. And I think if someone said to us, you could have a happy, healthy and long lived Jeff Hardy and never see him in a ring again, or you can have the option of having him back but there's a chance we'd never take that chance everyone wants the best for jeff hardy and i think that's sort of the 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 feeling i got which was just i really hope this is the right thing for you and it's quite hard to separate the real life struggles that jeff hardy has been very open about with the character Jeff Hardy I want to get behind because I almost feel like I'm betraying the man if I cheer for the character. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the issue is how many times it's been, how frequent it has been. We have seen Jeff come back and, and be quote-unquote fine. I'm sure he thought he was and a lot of people thought he was and then very unfortunately and very sadly fall off the wagon again. And like I said earlier, it's bad enough when it's just Jeff's health that is the issue, but it becomes in my opinion, tenfold more of a problem when he's behind the wheel of a car and it's other people who are in danger. So the, the hideous thing is we won't know if he's okay until we know he's not, if that makes sense. that yeah. we, won't, we, won't, we won't be getting weekly um, catch-ups on Jeff's doing well this week. The only time we'll know is if we hear Jeff Hardy's been arrested for X, Y, or Z, do a drink. So we just have to hope we never, ever hear that again. Um, and fingers crossed that it is a healthy and happy Jeff and that he can come back and do you remember in the Undertaker documentary where it seemed like Undertaker was just looking for an end? Mark Calloway was looking for an end. Mm. I hope Jeff's at a point where he's looking for an end and we can give it to him fairly soon, an ending to his career that he's happy with, he's content with, and he can put this part of his life to rest and hopefully go on and have a healthy post-wrestling career because he must be battered. Like, knowing how I feel from rugby, like, the things he's done, he must be. And I would be surprised, again, I'm talking with no knowledge of the situation. I would be shocked if part of his addiction isn't to numb the pain of what goes on with his body a lot of the time. So if you can fix the body, you can try and help fix the problem potentially. Again, I don't know for sure. And wrestling isn't going to make it any better. So I just hope if he is looking for an end, which you'd imagine at this point of his career he is, I hope we can find it for Jeff soon because he deserves it. He's a brilliant, but he's, the services he's given to wrestling are undeniable. He deserves a brilliant end to his career and hopefully he can find that and then go and be happy. Yeah, and, and look, there's there's a flip side option, which is Shawn Michaels between 98 and 2002, by his own admission, really struggled with his demons, really struggled. And then Shawn was able to get himself to that place where we got 2002 Shawn Michaels to 2010. And he was so reliable that we were, we it sort of faded into the past. But I, I it's a struggle. It's a journey for Jeff Hardy. I wish him all the best. And I think every wrestling fan does. But I think we wouldn't be doing what we do on this podcast if we didn't address some of the underlying discomfort that was around it. Hey, we seem to be building to this uh, four pillars of AEW world title match. And every week they're focusing on a different pillar. Sometimes it's Jungle Boy, sometimes it's Sammy Guevara. This week it was Darby Allen in the spotlight, uh, beating Swerve Strickland in the opening match of Dynamite, then a verbal confrontation with MJF that led to Sting coming out as well. All three men, I thought, did great on the mic and Sting was spotlighted like the legend he is. I enjoyed this. Yes. So first of all, I really, really like the build of this four pillars fatal four way. I think it's really cool 
way to highlight one of the big, big um, criticisms unfairly, I believe, of AW is you don't have homegrown stars, you just take WWE's rejects. So, actually, they were like, oh, hang on, we're going to build a pay-per-view, one of our four pay-per-views a year round a main event of four of our guys. I really like that. It's a bit of a middle finger up to all the cri critics to be like, no, no, we, we do have homegrown stars and our world champion is a massive homegrown star. So, I, I like that idea. I think they're building it well. Um, I do think they have bigger marquee matches if they want them but I understand why they're doing it and I'm enjoying it um, even if it's just on a special dynamite the main event I think it's a really good idea I thought Darby Allen was portrayed brilliantly just by the fact that a legend like Sting is so in his corner Sting is all in on Darby and Sting is being portrayed as the absolute legend he is I thought it was a brilliant promo what was with um, the pom-poms? That's, that's my they were odd <laughs> they, they, they confused me I won't lie uh, I kind of skirted over them uh, but no, I thought Sting was brilliant. I like how he just referred back to things he's done in his career, the shout-outs to The Click, to Nate, to Ric Flair, everyone like that. I loved it. I thought it was really good. And I think Darby Allen only gained a lot of credibility to the more casual fans by having Sting in his corner because casual wrestling fans know who Sting is. So if Sting is saying, this guy is good, this guy's the next guy, get behind this guy, very, very easily fans are like, yeah, if Sting likes him, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to... It's like... In football, strikes Ferguson coming out and being like, this player's good, you should get behind him. All Man United fans will be like, yeah, he's he's our guy. So I, I think it's a really clever way they're doing it. I thought Sting looks great. Uh, I thought he was brilliant on the mic. I like how really MGF didn't have too much to say back to him. It was like he was a bit in awe of Sting the legend. I thought it was really, really good. Yeah, I'm, I, I completely agree. And I think we forget that AEW... There is criticism of it. There's criticism of WWE. But AEW has given Sting that resurgence. AEW... Gay, we would not have had this version of Sting in WWE. Wouldn't have had it. We we didn't. He was injured. He was retired. He was Hall of Fame. He comes back to AEW. He's having great matches. And I like that Sting is getting spotlighted as a legend. I like the idea of if Sting is going to retire, you could do it at Wembley because they won't get a bigger crowd in a while. But I have a horrible feeling this is just leading to Sting getting absolutely battered by MJF backstage. Yeah. No, yeah, MGF is going to beat Sting to a pulp, isn't he? Yeah. And we're all going to hate MGF for it. And yeah, that that is what will happen. And Sting will sell it like an absolute hero. And then he'll probably jump off something high. Because that's what he's decided he's going to do with the twilight of his career. He's gone, if it's high, I'll jump off it. I, I love it. I love that he is, he's sort of going down the Terry Funk route of just like getting more hardcore and extreme as he goes on. So this now seems like a regular part of our AEW conversations. The CM Punk rumours continue to go from strength to strength. Now, as I was putting together the show notes yesterday, I was basing this on the fact that Dax Harwood had said pretty publicly that CM Punk is interested in a return to AEW. Uh, our man Sean Ross Sapp started reporting yesterday that a CM Punk return has been penciled in for Chicago in June and may be pre-announced at the upfronts. If you don't know what the upfronts are, big thing in America where the commercial TV stations have big um, conferences and they try and get advertisers to buy their ads. And there's a rumor that at the TBS upfronts, they're going to announce CM Punk coming back so people will buy the ads for those shows. Either way, no smoke without fire. Yeah, this is happening. This is happening. And Tony Khan knew this was happening when he booked Wembley Stadium because how are you going to sell Wembley Stadium? Give UK fans a chance to see CM Punk, which they haven't had in forever. Yeah. Forever. I remember I bought tickets to Five Star Wrestling because they um, they said they were getting the best in the world back and then the show didn't happen. 
and it was never going to be CM Punk. But just on that, I was like, oh my God, it might be CM Punk, I'll buy tickets. So yeah, this is happening, isn't it? CM Punk's coming back and it will be brilliant. It'll be exciting. It'll be the best thing for about 12 months time when he pisses off the whole locker room again. But I, I, from a business point of view, I understand it. I completely understand it. You need to sell 90,000 tickets somehow. He's the biggest draw you've got. He genuinely is. From a keeping your roster happy point of view, I think you're playing with fire. I love it though. He's like he's like wrestling. Look at you. You're smiling like you do about Trish Stratus. <laughs> Punk's turned me back the other way. Yeah, we're back, we're back now. <laughs> I've kind of done a full 180. I just think CM Punk is wrestling Barocca. You get you get a flat, you know, flat glass of water. You drop him in. It fizzes up. Everyone goes, Jesus, what's going on? And then it simmers back down. And ah, oh, that was fun. And then you just drop another Barocca in, and that's him. That's what he does. You know, a Barocca, a Barocca doesn't explode in your face. <laughs> okay, CM Punk is like ten Barockas. He explodes the glass, but it's fun yeah. on the. I think he's great. Put him with FTR. Put him with FTR. Give us that heel faction of CM Punk as a corporate guy who just says to Tony Khan, Tony, you needed me. I didn't need you. And have him be that guy. Oh, at Wembley, you do um, Punk and FTR versus the Elite, don't you? Like, you do it versus Kenny in the books. Of course you do. Of course you do. Yeah. Because that was the whole issue, wasn't it? They had a fight, so let's have them have a fight in the ring. Like that, that sells tickets. And it also takes a pressure off Punk for being the, the 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 singles match that people would expect him to have. If you want to go down the route of uh, Punk against Omega, you could do that as well. Who wouldn't want to see CM Punk versus Kenny Omega? I mean, you, you can't deny the guy has got options and, and he's, he's dream match potential. And CM Punk is the biggest star they've got. I don't... Let me put it this way to you, okay? Roman Reigns fizzes off backstage after WrestleMania. They strip the title of Roman Reigns and they keep Roman Reigns off telly for nine months. If Roman Reigns comes to you in WWE, Charlie, and says, I'd like to come back now, please, you're doing it, aren't you? You just have to. Yeah, again, I'm going to say one more time, the business side of thing, I do not disagree with in the slightest. My issue with Punk is, is he is a repeat offender. Everywhere he goes, it always ends in tears. And you see it in sports. And after so long, you have to say... It clearly isn't the organisations, it's the person. I, I take it, it didn't end in tears in Ring of Honor, for a start, so that's one mm. promotion it didn't. He had a number of good years in WWE where it didn't end in tears, and would you deny that in WWE at that time, when Daniel Bryan was being ignored, when CM Punk was feuding with Kane, that the problem was the problem really Punk or was the problem the management there? And then in AEW, Cody left because of how bad the management is. You know, I, I for my client, Mr. Where Punk. Did, where, yeah, when did you get on the Punk payroll? Oh, punk payroll. Also, I'm starting to wonder what a prima donna you're like at work. What are you like behind the scenes at BBC Radio Cornwall? Are you just chucking it about like, no. Yeah, listen to me, everyone, like storming in. Are you the CM Punk of local radio is what I'm now wondering. You have no idea. Red <laughs> jersey in a cloud of, <laughs> a cloud of disgrace. The Channel Islands will never have him back. That's a, that's when when my radio station books a United Centre for my next show. We'll know that I'm the CM Punk of local radio. Look, I think he's great. I think he's going to come back. I think he's going to be great for business. I think he's who sells out the stadium. And I project we, we stand here in four years' time and we go, it was just a blip. CM Punk, couldn't. he's a pussycat, so easy to work with, no problems. 
I'll tell you what, though. When he comes back, I'll be watching. And that's it. And, I, and I, like I say, the business point of view, if you can get him back, you do. That will get people watching their screens, bums on seats. You've got to sell out the biggest, it'd be the biggest wrestling crowd probably since Mania 32 at uh, AT&T with it over 100,000. You've got to sell that out. You go and get Sam Punk. I get that. I completely get that. Do you think they need... See, here's, here's something else very quickly before we sort of begin to wind this down. Do they need to sell Wembley out? I was, I was thinking this the other day. Or is like 40,000 a success? It's a really good question, this. It's a really good question. And I want to say no, they don't need to sell it out. Getting 40,000 wrestling fans into a stadium for a company that is four years old by then? Yeah. Four years? Yeah, roughly. Is a huge success overseas. Except... There were so many better options to go for if that's what you want. You own a stadium of that size, Tony, in the same city. Like Craven Cottage, you're probably getting between 30 and 40 with the grounds, the floor seats. If you want 50 or 60, go to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Like, go and get that. If you only want 20, go and get the O2. Like, there were so many options if you wanted what we would deem to be a more realistic gate mm. that by getting Wembley instead you've basically said without saying it we think we can sell that out like 60,000 isn't enough for us is what you're essentially saying so yeah it is a little bit if you don't get 80 plus I think because you've kind of gone out of limit so we can get that because if we didn't think we could we would have got a smaller stadium this still would have been a big success so I do think they need 80-plus in there, and I know that's quite a controversial statement because I'm now saying if they get 70,000 fans in overseas, it's a failure. But if that's what they wanted, go and get a stadium of that size. What do you think? I, I, I agree with you, and yet I know I shouldn't because by any measure, if you do a show, say they get in 60,000, I would expect that is at least double their biggest ever attendance. I don't know exactly yeah. what they got in Arthur Ashe, but it's at least double, I would, I would say, back of the envelope stuff. And yet, if that means there are 30,000 seats not filled in that stadium, then I... I guess it depends how they structure it. I mean, if they whack up a huge screen, let's not forget when we went to Cardiff for Clash at the Castle, what you didn't see on TV is they had the whole one side sort of cordoned off for, for lights, camera, action. So I guess it's how they shoot it. I guess it's how they decide to, to build it. Look, they got problems if they're only getting 30,000 in there. But I think if they can get 50, if they can get more than half, you can spin it. But it'll be fascinating to see when my boy CM Punk fills up Wembley for them sell out no problems at all right let's do everyone's favorite part of the pod something from everyday life uh gets the push something goes back to developmental first or second mr beckett what are we doing i'll go first mm -hmm. this week um my earning the push is we are almost halfway through the women's six nations yes at the moment obviously i have a vest and just my sister is playing for england but it's been a really really good tournament the quality of rugby is brilliant uh it is more competitive this year the welsh side looking the strongest they have the Italian side are playing well. England draws the strong favourites still. But honestly, while there's no other international rugby on really at the moment, the Women's Six Nations is brilliant. It's on free-to-air TV on iPlayer. So if you are at a loose end for some rugby this weekend, there are three brilliant games. So go and give them a watch. Magic. I agree with that wholeheartedly. The quality is great. It's great. It's finally getting the airtime it deserves. It should have been this way for a long time. But we're there where we need to be now, and it's only going to keep growing. That should definitely get the push. Back to developmental for you is what? 
the state of the roads in England. Ah, uh, okay. I spend a lot of time in the car. I drive a lot for work. The number of potholes I'm seeing at the moment, and it's been noticed in the last four to six weeks, is phenomenal. I've I've had a tyre burst from a pothole. I've had to go and rescue my other half from a tyre burst from a pothole. Potholes are dangerous. Mm. Uh, a good friend of mine, he rides a motorbike. And if he hits a pothole, he's in a lot of trouble. And they're bad in Cheltenham, where I live. Like, they're particularly bad in Cheltenham. But then I was driving down the M1 the other day. And, like, you're doing 70 miles an hour, obviously nothing more, because that's the speed limit, uh, on the M1. And there's genuinely big potholes in the middle lane of the M1. I'm like, what? What is happening with the roads in our country? So it's a bit of a serious one, I don't know, but look out for potholes, guys, because there's a lot of them out there at the moment, and they're, they're bloody dangerous. Some of them are massive. It's like the Grand Canyon, one of the ones I almost hit the other day. I don't disagree with you at all, but you're pushed to be the oldest man ever. <laughs> We've had <laughs> slippers, gardening scissors, potholes now. Um, I'm gonna I'm going to go against trend. I'm in such a good mood this week. Can I give you two things that are earning the push? Yes, and last week you didn't give me anything, so you're just re you're just redefining how this podcast works. I I, I go against the grain. Uh, first earning the push for me, knitting. I've taken up knitting. It's brilliant. Right. And you you called me old. That's <laughs> yeah. right. I just want to go about that. Not thirty seconds ago, you called me old, and now you've talked about knitting. Go on, talk to me about knitting then. It's brilliant. It's great. It's really simple to do once you know how to do it. Don't follow the American instructional videos. They make it seem too simple. So have you have you taught yourself or has a friend taught you? Self-taught knitter, baby. Oh, wow. Well, I tried to. I'd learned how to cast it on and do all of that. And then I couldn't... I was watching this video and I couldn't work out how to actually knit a stitch. And so I said to a mate and she was like, well, my daughter knits. And she says, what you have to remember is you have to... You've got your needles and essentially the routine you follow is imagine you've got a person in front of you and it's quite macabre and says you have to imagine you're gutting them, strangling them, stabbing them again and throwing them off a bridge with your needle. That's like, Jesus, really? And she said, yeah. That, that promo took a turn I didn't see coming. Oh, you got your needles, you gut them, you strangle them, you stab them again and you push them off a bridge and that's how you knit. It's the start of your heel turn into a mass murderer. I'll be like a Vince McMahon early 90s Raw character. They'll call me like the Yarn Bomber. There it is. There it is. The world's worst terrorist. <laughs> he just he just wrapped up the building in yarn. The only trouble I've got is I can't... Um, once I've knitted it, I can't tie it off, so it all immediately unravels. But <laughs> so it's a waste of a day. But I'm learning is the main thing. And my other earn in the push, you'll like this lot. I've been sharing them on my Instagram. There is a baseball team in America mm. called the Savannah Bananas. And if you don't know what the Savannah Bananas are, they are sort of like an exhibition baseball team, a bit like the Harlem Globetrotters, where they play, but they do dance routines, they do office spoofs, they order food to the plates, and they are just fantastic. So the Savannah Bananas are my uh, second earning the push. Yeah, if, uh, I've seen them shared in your intro. If you want to smile and just a laugh and a bit of good fun, go and have a watch. They, I, I, I challenge anyone to watch their content on Instagram and not smile. I they could see you playing fun. for like a rugby team like the Savannah Bananas. Like if there was one like that in the future, as you were looking to wind down your career, just like a... Thank you. Thank you so much for taking my serious career that I have been fresh up for 11 years and I've committed the last 20 years of my life to going, I think you should do a dance routine with it. I reckon that, that that's what you'd be good at. Take it, take it a little less seriously and do some dancing. Charlie, if you had the option to come on singing Les Mis or, yeah, or Hamilton... Yeah, yes, okay, okay. Yeah. God, I'm so... 
about to go to the other side of the world and play in Australia. I don't need them being like, oh, he's an absolute muppet. I need to have some sort of intimidation factor. I'll just message them this segment. I'll just message them the, the best bits of potholes, gardening gloves, bin bags. Uh, I might have to. I might have to stop this podcast. I go over it'll ruin any sort of reputation I have. Well, we'll have to stop this episode before we go. One final question: Logan Paul has re-signed for WWE. Is it time for him to become a legitimate title contender? Does Logan Paul need to wear gold at some? point soon it depends if we can put to bed the issues with paul logan obviously so put personal <laughs> issues there um if they can get past that does logan paul need a title that's a very very good question um he does not need one no i don't believe he needs one to be a draw i feel to be interested business wise i think it'd be a good move imagine logan paul going on all his shows on his i'm paul's live podcast um with the u.s title over his um over his shoulder i think the u.s title is the one yeah um as much as they have uh, rejuvenated that as well, the IC title doesn't sit right on Logan Paul. That's the wrestler's wrestling title, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, not the top title. Yeah, I, I could understand him having the US title for six months. I think as a business with that, we could also huge heel move to have it on a part-timer when it's so prestigious again at the moment so yeah yeah i could see him the next year winning the u.s title absolutely what do you think i agree i would uh, i hadn't thought which title i think him having gold would be good and the u.s title is the perfect one perfect one for him to have sits on his lap on every podcast every media appearance he is the u.s champion i think that's great uh look busy week of wrestling coming up we know there'll be more cm punk rumors we know shinsuke nakamura is set to return to smackdown tonight Uh, so we'll talk about all of that next week and more remember rate review and subscribe wherever you're listening to us today thank you to the more and more people checking us out each and every week but for today we're out of time for charlie and myself thanks for listening to earning the push and we'll see you again next week bye bye